Good morning and welcome to Breakfast with the Beak. I am your host, Johnny Goodtimes. Joining me is my sidekick. Good morning, Johnny! Good morning, Big Dicks! I am Dr. Heisenberg. He is Dr. Heisenberg, is what he was gradually getting around to there. Yeah, that's me, Dr. Heisenberg. In the morning. The first. (laughs) Senior. Yeah. Johnny, I love the What Does the Fox Say song. I, it's you great. know, I, I also enjoy the Fox song. I feel like, all right, here's the world I want to live in, okay? Yeah. It's it's, it's not that different from our world, mm-hmm. but every time anyone plays the song Blurred Lines, yeah. instead, I want to hear what does the Fox say. Yeah, no, if I could get a chip in my brain yeah. that would replace... Blurred lines with what does the fox say? Yeah, and it would sound the same like when a car is going by or when it's coming from somebody else's yeah. window or whether it's like on the radio right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just And like, you know, everyone with the chip mm-hmm. hears what does the fox say? Mm-hmm. And everyone without it hears blurred lines. And you know who's your friend based on which ones look happy when they're dancing. <laughs> and which ones just look obligated. Yeah. <laughs> Or, 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 alternately, rather than put a chip in your own head, yeah. if, uh, if we could get somebody to just hack the actual, like, um... Blurred Line Central Supercomputer? Well, I was gonna say, like, the radio networks. <laughs> we need to hack the suspiciously lifelike man-bot that Alan Thicke built. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying we hack Robin Thicke, because it's already been recorded, but... Although that would be... I don't know if it would be funny or if it would ruin it. Like, what if that that Norwegian guy just showed up instead of Robin Thicke? I'd be okay with that. Like, in like, his mask. Like, oh, hey, everyone, it's the VMAs, and here comes... What? There's been a change in in the uh, the itinerary. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, and and I've, I'm going to be complaining about this for the next year. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I'm going to have to tell so many relatives, so many... Uh, Drunk dudes at bars who insist this is not the case, you know? Uh huh. That no, no, the song was intended as comedy. <laughs> it's supposed to be funny. In Norway, that's not what pop songs are about. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I don't see why anyone would think otherwise. It's clearly funny. Yeah, it's not like, you know, furries are super mainstream in Norway or something. Yeah, he does a. He, he's, he's looking like, you know, like a, a hunky, fey young man. Yes. And then uh, he turns around. Oh, fox mask! Yeah. This is crazy. It, it just got banana pants, yeah. 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 Like, so. I mean, that is one thing, you know. I mean, I'm extrapolating the whole timeline for this shit, you know. Mm -hmm. When am I going to get sick of it? Soon. When am I actually going to get sick of it? Never, but I'm going to feel bad about it because people are going to ruin it. See, I feel like there's always a cycle. Like, we're we're still in the middle of the cycle with Gangnam Style, where it was super fun, and then we got sick of it because it was everywhere, and now that it doesn't get played very often anymore, like he's not even in pistachio commercials anymore, it's starting to be fun again. It's like, oh right, I do enjoy this song. Yeah. I can hear it just for what it was now. Yeah, like, once once the saturation drops off, it's like, oh yeah, that's fun. You know, I, I just feel like, you know, in about, like, three months... Yeah. We're going to be seeing people, like, on the internet talking about, you know, 
Like people who love the song now, right? Talking about how when they see someone else mention it, that's a red flag. Well, yeah, because like, that's... the fandom of this song has turned real ugly or something. Well, yeah, you always have your people who are way behind the curve on yeah. you know internet crap. And, uh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. This would be that one, you know, or this would be one of them. I oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because this one has a pretty universal appeal. You know, mm-hmm. everyone loves cute animals. Yeah, and everyone loves grown-up gentlemen singing about cute animals. Yeah, I mean, just saying that sentence, I ovulated. I mean, so- I know, right? Right. <laughs> I'm still, uh, I'm still in the uh, the nice post-cuddle afterglow with this song. I'm gross. still just happy about it. It's super gross. Yeah, and sticky. Yeah. Why did you? Why would you do that to a song? That's well, like, you were ovulating. Well, I mean, why I mean, did the song do that to you? I mean, <laughs> um, just it's a metaphor. I understand. You, are you understand what a metaphor? I is? understand you're not actually humping sound waves. No, I, I didn't. I, I didn't literally just like the song didn't just make me come. I, I just I, mean I'm I happy, yeah. and uh, it's it's I still get a good feeling of. It. There's no negative connotation yet. Yet, you know. Yeah, no, I I agree. Yeah, but there's also the flip flop. Like, uh, uh, is it going to stay on the internet, or is it eventually going to be on Ellen? Which is Ellen is kind of like my barrier because Ellen's kind of cool. Yeah, but she's also a daytime talk show host. Yeah, it's like it's a daytime talk show host. Yeah, enjoyed by. The, the grannies of the world. Right, people who are home during the day. But at the same time, Ellen herself has a level of self-awareness about what she does that is lacking in a lot of other uh, grandma-centric entertainment, your Today shows and so forth. Right, Ellen's definitely cooler than the rest of them. I yeah. mean, you know, uh, uh, Kelly and uh, um, what's-his-face, the football player. Oh, yeah, Kelly, a football man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't care. I can't remember his name. I don't but care. But anyway, <laughs> Kelly and not Regis. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly uh, and Big Regis. <laughs> we used to have old Regis, now we have Big Regis. <laughs> It'd be funny if she made all her co-hosts change their names to Regis. Yeah. <laughs> Regis plus adjective. Got, we used to have old Regis, now we got Big Regis. Big Regis. <laughs> Later, narcoleptic Regis. I can't wait for fat Regis. <laughs> He's going to be fun. <laughs> I still, yeah, narcoleptic Regis is the one I'm holding out for. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what else would be fun? Yeah. Uh, cat Regis. Oh, my God, yes. He's just sitting there with a the cat. He's just a cat. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't do it. He's <laughs> no. just a regular cat. It's, uh, or, or puppet Regis. That might be fun. Okay, yeah. yes. Puppet Regis, I would actually like to be. So. Oh, that that could be cool because you could actually make it look like old Regis. Yeah, and I wouldn't have to be on the stage. I would, of course, be behind a table. <laughs> yeah, like you know, and Puppet Regis would be just like you know, oh, hey Kelly, what's up? You know, and and nobody has to know there's a guy under him. <laughs> you know, you can always tell based solely on how many Kelly Ripa, Kelly Ripa jokes I have at the ready. Yeah, how much time in the last few weeks I've spent sitting in Dennis' office. <laughs> The only time I watch that show is when I'm waiting to get my teeth drilled. That is a good time to watch it. Yeah. Because you're watching it and you're like, you know what would be fucking great right now? (laughs) A drill in my teeth. (laughs) Because you can't really hear Kelly over the drill. Well, uh, yeah. (laughs) Well, anyway. Yeah. uh, We have just done our hacky daytime TV jokes. Shall we roll a topic? Let's roll that topic. Have a chance for something a little more highbrow? Yeah. What the hell? It's not like Jerry O'Connell's going to be stopping by for a chat. It could Tell happen. us about his new project. That could not happen. Something highbrow, maybe. 
Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Let's roll them dice. Oh, super tiny. Seven. 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 What's topic number seven, John? Topic number seven is... Uh, oh, come on, something highbrow. Dicks! No. <laughs> it doesn't say dicks. No, it says Ivan Illich. Ooh. Submitted by Nick in Philadelphia. Thank you, Nick. And that is arguably the highbrowest topic we ever did get. It's pretty up there. Yeah. yeah. It, Ivan it, Illich is, of course, uh, uh, the primary character yes. in the story The Death of Ivan Illich by, by Leo Tolstoy. By Tolstoy, yes. Yeah. Yes. That's a that's a classic. Yeah, yeah, it uh, it is a it's a classic. It's a real uh, popcorn movie. It's a popcorn classic. It's and, uh, not a movie. I understand. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a popcorn novella. <laughs> it's a, it's not. It's really not. I, I it's ate, an enjoyable novella. But I it ate some popcorn. I ate some frozen pizza while I was reading it. So okay, it's yeah. a pizza novella. Yeah, I ate uh, yeah. I ate a, a little Debbie. So. <laughs> Snack cakes. Yeah, Swiss cake rolls. Yeah, <laughs> Swiss cake rolls. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, so this is another episode of what we ate while we were reading stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Email us at topicsatthebeak.org and tell us what snacks you enjoy while reading classic pre-Bolshevik Russian literature. God damn it. Okay, fine. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh but yes, the the death of Ivan Illich. Uh, yes, yes. Um, published in uh, the 1880s right. in Russia. Okay. Um, and it was it was shortly after uh, Tolstoy's famous uh, religious conversion. Yes, which is one of those things that people have heard of, right? But just sort of a lot of people just sort of are guessing as to what it is because you hear legendary author has major religious conversion, you're like, oh. That's when they started to suck. Because most of the time it is. That's true. Tolstoy had the opposite of that kind of conversion. Well, you remember like when Bob Dylan got super Christian for like two albums? Yeah. And then he started making regular albums again? For a while he was like super Jewish for like one album too. Yeah. He went back to being Zimmerman. Yeah. Yeah, And like regardless of how religious he is today, Mm -hmm. like his albums just sound like Dylan albums again. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. But whereas, like, uh, Tolstoy, with this in particular, you know, he's writing great classic Russian material. Yeah. And then, like, there's a little religion tacked on at the very end. Yeah. It's like, it almost feel like, feels like it was an afterthought. Well, that's the thing. Like, Tolstoy's, you know, conversion mm-hmm. was more like he woke up one day and realized, hey, you know... I think I'm pretty sure the only way to be a Christian is to be a pacifist anarchist and uh, yeah. reject all the bullshit of, you know, Russian society of his time. Right, right. Which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, he went awesome. to live out in the country, yeah. grew his beard like crazy. Huge beard. Yeah. I think he lived on, like, farmland. Yeah. Like, there was a straight-up uh, commune based around his works that he wasn't even part of. <laughs> yeah, and this was before Russia was yeah. communist. Yeah. Like, it was still full-on, like, monarchy slash, you know, hierarchy money. Yeah, there know. were serfs. Yeah. Straight-up serfs. Uh-huh. Tilling the land for their liege lords. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Tolstoy was like, you know what, fuck the city, fuck money. Yeah. I'm going to keep writing, but I'm going to live out here now. In a barn. Yeah. Yeah. So And I'm going to correspond with a young Gandhi. 
<laughs> if you're going to be a religious nut, that's the way to do it. Yeah, that's it's like, cool. If you're going to convert, convert to something with hippies. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like that's the that's my system. You know, <laughs> like, if you're gonna find a religion, at least pick a hippie one. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, but but so in 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 this story in particular, I mean, but the point is that yeah. when you take that into account, right? Suddenly, this becomes a very religious story for Tolstoy. Yeah, it's not like uh, like in Twilight when you're picking out the creepy Mormon shit, no, or something like that. No, it's the story of a man. Whose life is good by every conventional uh, measure. Right. But who is dissatisfied because this is no way to go through life, says Tolstoy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, the, the, he only mentions God very briefly mm-hmm. at the end. Like, it's less about God and, and more to, like, identifying what is kind of empty in life. Yeah. And what is worthwhile in life. Yeah. So, we'll backtrack a little from there. Yeah, because, spoiler, in the death of Ivan Illich, he does die at the end. Yeah, I hesitate to say spoiler alert, because I feel like the title is a spoiler alert. Yeah. You know. I mean, technically, like, the second paragraph of the story is the guy saying, oh, <laughs> Ivan Illich died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we start out uh, uh, in a law office, right? Yeah. And there's like three dudes hanging around. Yeah, just some guys, like, just some lawyers, judges, whatever, having bro talk. Yeah, they're hanging out. They're discussing a case. Yeah, I mean, it, like especially in that first chapter. Yeah, there's like a level of sort of naturalistic dialogue. Oh yeah, that, that not only survives the translation to English, uh-huh. but it is just you know the fact that it's happening over a hundred years ago that this is being written in the time before naturalistic dialogue tended to get written anywhere. Right. Yeah, and uh I mean you I feel like you get that from that time period well, more in Russia than anywhere else. Yeah, I mean uh Dostoevsky does that to yeah. some extent. Dostoy- although, let's say to some extent. Well, it's like I mean Crime and Punishment is the perfect example because yeah. it starts out really good yeah. and then just gets florid and speculative and yeah. goes all over the place. That's like the, the story itself kind of falls apart. Like the problem with Dostoevsky is not I mean like no matter what he does with the dialogue. Yeah. He's putting all that other stuff in between it. Right. Dostoevsky's got a problem with the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get that in, um, you get that in Gogol. Okay. Like, Gogol's short stories are mm-hmm. on par with Ivan Illich. Yeah. Uh, in in Dead Souls, I mean, he does more of the Dostoevsky thing where he's yeah. got the good dialogue and the commentary on society, yeah. but then he's like, kind of wanders off into exposition. Well, yeah, but Gogol is like, he's the one who gets silly, you know? Well, yeah, Gogol's also wacky. Yeah. You know? Like, he's the he's the Kramer of the, the Russian novelist sitcom. Yeah, that's fair, <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, The Nose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I mean, The Nose, I don't know if I have to say more than The Nose. No. I've read way more than that of Gogol. But, but if you've read it, listener. Yeah, that's yeah. iconic to me. I mean, you know, forget yeah. about Taras Bulba. Yeah. You know, it's no, like, come on, let's make this. Let's make an actual Russian literature sitcom where it's a bunch of, you know, greats of Russian literature from different times, uh, all just for no reason sharing a house together, <laughs> <laughs> all sleeping in one big bed next to each other. <laughs> this sounds like a, like a, a subplot on, like, Frankenhole. Well... They should have done that. Yeah, that, no, that would work. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can get you can get Chekhov and Pushkin in there just to round it out. Absolutely, you know, I'll get get Solzhenitsyn in there. Have him be extra sad. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
I was always partial. He's, only, he's only got the one joke. Oh, what's in the soup? Eyes. <laughs> I was partial to Lermontov, but not as many people know him. Anyway, anyway, we're talking about Tolstoy. Yeah. So, so, so chapter one kind of introduces us to this world. Yeah. Um, uh, but the world of you know. Ivan's uh, friend. We're gonna. I'm probably gonna fuck up and start calling him Ivan. Like this is an '80s movie at some point. So yeah, it's not Ivan Drago. No. Yeah. But yeah, Ivan. Um, but you get you get uh, Peter Ivanovich. Yes. Is like the closest thing Ivan Milich has to like a best friend. Mm. And so he's sitting there with his buddies, and one of them picks up the newspaper and he says, "Oh hey." Ivan Illich died. Yeah, it's like they see his obituary, and that's how they find out. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so they're like, holy shit, and, you know, but they, they immediately sink into, uh, social obligations surrounding death. Yeah, it's like, oh, fuck. I mean, it's sad, but we have to show up at this funeral yeah. and console his widow, snoozers. <laughs> yeah, they immediately start calculating which of them has to, is knew him well enough yeah. to go and visit personally, show up at the funeral, yeah. who has how to, long they have to stay. Who has to show up, who has to stick around, who has to actually, you know, put on something nice, who has to sit with the widow while she asks how she gets the pension. Yeah. <laughs> and who can sneak off and play cards. Oh, man. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, so Peter Ivanovich is going through, like, the funeral stuff. Yeah. And, like, his buddy Schwartz shows up. Yeah. And and Schwartz is immediately like, "All right, uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna do this in five minutes. We're gonna play some bridge." Yeah, he's the he's the fun friend. Everyone is super happy to see him. Yeah, like the the closest thing that anyone has to a moment of joy rather than social obligation. Right, is this guy shows up and he's and he's like, "Oh, we can all fuck off and play cards." Yeah, yeah. Schwartz is Schwartz is the friend that's completely unreliable. Yeah, but he's always fun and like he's actually considering he's only in one chapter because all these guys are really only in the one chapter to any great extent. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, he's, you know, the only character who only has one name, just no first or last name, just, just Schwartz. Yeah. He's the he's only... like the Fonz. Yeah. He's the only character with a German name. Everyone else is Russian. Right. And I'm sure that this is all very deeply symbolic and tied up with the politics of the time. Like, you know, oh, foreigners were coming into Russia and teaching us to be irresponsible and play cards or something, and who the fuck knows? Right. All I know is, from a modern perspective, this guy seems okay. Yeah, Schwartz sounds like a good time. Yeah. Let's wrap this shit up so we can go to the party at Schwartz's house. Got some sweet sideburns. Yeah, yeah. There's a guy you can you can you know fist bump with. Right. <laughs> but anyway, so we get a we get kind of a just a taste of yeah. what. People, because here's the thing: most of the novella is from Ivan Illich's first person perspective. Yeah, it's uh, it's, but yeah, it starts off with just third person. <laughs> well, it's third person, but it's it's third person fixed. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not omniscient particularly. Yeah. It's well, uh, yeah. it's pretty much all about what he's perceiving and thinking. Yeah, but this first chapter is just okay. He's dead. Here's how his quote unquote friends mm-hmm. react. Yeah. And then we go back in time. Oh, oh, and one more very relevant point to this yeah. is the other thing they're thinking as soon as he dies, and in fact, while he was in the process of dying, yeah. was who's getting promoted next? 
Yeah. Because he's got a position opening up. There's a guy that's probably going to get his job. Yeah. And then the two guys below him are going to vie for that job. Yeah. Like, that is central to their thinking. They don't even want his job. They want the job of the guy who's getting promoted to replace him. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then some, and then they're also picking out successors for their own jobs. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, like, this is a whole thing. Yeah. It's all about just, the wonders of Russian bureaucracy circa 1880-something. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I've got a quote. This is my favorite quote from the book. This actually is also my favorite quote from the book. It's the beginning of chapter two. Yeah. It's a, it's about Ivan Ilyich's father. Right, right. So we, starting in chapter two, we jump back a little. We get we, uh, Ivan's whole life story. We Yeah, like chapter one is, you know, the little flash forward to after he's dead, and then yeah. the rest of the story is just his life in order. Right. Everything so, else leads up to that. It's yeah. like pale fire. Yeah. Sort of. Not at all. No. Um, okay, so, uh, his father had been an official who, after serving in various ministries and departments in Petersburg, had made the sort of career which brings men to positions from which, by reason of their long service, they cannot be dismissed though they are obviously unfit to hold any responsible position, and for whom, therefore, posts are specially created, which, though fictitious, carry salaries of from six to 10,000 rubles that are not fictitious, in receipt of which they live on to a great age. Uh, now, when I first heard that, uh-huh. my immediate response was, Tolstoy just described the Peter Principle a century early. Uh, yes. Yeah. That absolutely is the Peter Principle. Yeah. Uh, side note, if you haven't read the Peter Principle, uh, it's by Lawrence J. Peter and Raymond Hull, uh, published in, uh, 1969, but yeah. th- there's new editions. Yeah. Um, yeah, awesome book. It's not about that. Yeah, no. But, uh, it, A, he had described that much earlier than that book did. Right. And, and B... That's legitimately funny and, like, sarcastic and kind of catty. It's catty, and it still completely applies today. It applies today, and, but, I mean, just the fact that, A, sarcasm is in a Russian novella in the 1880s, Mm -hmm. and, B, that it survived the translation to English. Right. Like, that's so rare that anything like that happens. I mean... Oftentimes for, you know, humor or sarcasm or anything like that to, to make the leap, uh-uh. the translator has to take liberties, you know? I mean, it becomes less of a, of a translation than a, uh, a localization, which is more of a video game thing than a novel thing. Oh, yeah, it's like in Lissy Strato when they, like, change up all the, the, the dialogue of the dumb girl to make her sound southern yeah. because we don't get jokes about Crete. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, she's, oh, she's using Crete slang. Yeah. You know, we don't get that. Yeah, we don't know that, so, so she like, sounds like a hick. Whatever, you know, Cretan expression she was using, you know, we just replace that with, you know, oh, she's wilder than two hogs fighting in a sack, you know. Right, right. Yeah. it's just basically shit from hee haw. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but, but, but this just fucking translates. Yeah. It's just clever. Exactly, yeah. And then, like, for example, uh, uh, Tim Pawlenty. In real life. The real Tim Pawlenty. The, the former governor failed presidential candidate. Not the guy whose voice you can't actually do. Right. Yeah. He's a lobbyist now. Yes. Okay? That's... that's uh, uh, our, When our bureaucracies can't 
endlessly stuff people into bullshit committees. Yeah. The overflow goes to some fucking corporate monster yeah. that says, okay, we're going to get some extra clout uh, uh, for every former governor and senator that's yeah. on our board. It's like, you know who we feel like uh, the government would respond to when mm-hmm. they're coming in paying them off is their old friends. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You think Tifa actually does anything in whatever fucking company he's a lobbyist for I, now? I don't think he's particularly invested in whatever he's lobbying for. I don't think he's lobbying for something that he's passionate about. I bet he barely leaves the house. I bet he lets his name be on stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just a form letter to every senator, and then at the bottom of the letter, somebody else has written, you know, kisses, Teapaw. Yeah, yeah. He actually spends most of his time in a shack on our roof, uh, taming pigeons. He's not allowed to build that up there. I I know. Well, yeah. Watch the super actually enforce a rule on this building. Oh, he's got a shack on the roof. He tames pigeons. He wants us to call him Ghost Paw. (laughs) (laughs) It's not cool, man. It's not cool. (laughs) He's not going to be appearing on the show. Don't worry. No. No. (laughs) Um, Anyway, but yeah. So, Ivan Illich. Yeah, like, before we even get into the story's real major themes... Of, of death and of what really matters in life. We've already got this one chapter that basically works as a standalone story mm-hmm. about the nature of bureaucracy and about social obligation. Yeah. Yeah. So he starts out, so he, he grows up, he goes to law school. Yeah, this is, you know, the life of Ivan Illich at this point. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'm gonna gloss over it because it's, it gets good in it's, a bit. It's way longer than the first bit. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he gets appointed, like, to his first position with little networking yeah. as a young man. And, um, he's, he's basically in law. So he's a lawyer, Governor, whatever. Yeah, lawyer, um, magistrate, etc. Yeah. yeah, eventually he becomes a judge. Yes. But he, he kind of works his way up in society. Yeah. And he gets uh, uh, increases in station. He gets increases in salary. Yeah. He gets a social group. Yes. That is appropriate socially to his station and economic class. He moves to new places where, you know... The, the, he moves where the work takes him, mm-hmm. and he goes there, and he conquers. Yeah. And he dines with the most important people there. Right, right. There's a lot of networking. Yeah. Which, again, so prescient to now. Yes. Like, it's now this is not social networking like internet crap. No. This is, this is like uh, um, movers and shakers in an urban setting. Getting you know? out there, shaking hands, slapping backs. Kissing right. babies. Yeah. Yeah. Shunning inappropriate friends. Yeah. And making new friends with the right kind of people. Not talking about your fun brother. Yeah. Or your boring brother, because he's a drag. Yeah, yeah, he's got a fun brother that's mentioned very briefly, yeah. and, like, no one ever invites him to stuff because yeah. he's weird. And then he's got another brother who's very respectable, but... Boring and keeps his head down. Yeah, Stannis. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> his older brother is Stannis. Yeah, and so, you know, but, but young Ivan Illich, you know, he he is the best of both. He is, kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, and he's he's very successful. Like, yes. he, he talks a good game, he's attractive, he's easy meeting people, and he doesn't, when he, he meets his wife, he doesn't really fall in love. No. I would say. Not... Even a little. Um, 
he meets her. He's like, this is someone who I can spend some time with in addition to the other someones I'm spending time with. But then it's just like, she is the most respectable one I can marry. This is what's expected. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Praskovia Fedorovna. Yeah. Praskovia uh, Fedorovna came from a good family, was not bad-looking, and had a bit of property. Ivan Illich might have aspired to a more brilliant match, but even this was good. He had a salary, and she, he hoped, would have an equal income. She was well-connected and was a sweet, pretty, thoroughly correct young woman. To say that Ivan Illich married because he fell in love with Preskovia Fedorovna and found that she sympathized with his views of life would be as incorrect as to say that he married because his social circle approved of the match. <laughs> he was swayed by both these considerations. The marriage gave him personal satisfaction, and at the same time it was considered the right thing to do by the most highly placed of his associates. So Ivan Illich got married. Yeah. That tells you a lot about this guy. Yeah. 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 He's like, he's not really a passionate man. No. But he's good at being societally correct. He's very good at being, you know, doing what is expected and being successful. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to an extent, he gets personal satisfaction out of doing what society approves of. And again, you know, the money's good. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a whole section about, like, right after that, Mm -hmm. or maybe in the next chapter, Mm -hmm. about how... Uh, how his home is decorated with all of the furniture and all of the decor affected by the sort of middle class people who want people to think they're richer than they are. Yeah, but yeah. But no rich person actually has. So the only thing you look like is like other people faking being rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. very, he's very new money. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh yes, these are the ancient family antiques because we're aristocrats. No, you're not. You bought that shit at a thrift store. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. And then polished it a bit. Pretty much. And, uh, and so, yeah, no, there's just a lot of little details of his life like that, of his trying to look respectable and looking respectable to the right people, which is to say the people who are going to see him and the people who he needs to be noticed by. Yeah. But if ever he were to encounter, you know, an actual rich and powerful person mm-hmm. beyond just, you know, the the, le- the the petty level of power which he aspires to and gets. Right. Yeah, no, they'd immediately know, okay, go home. Oh, yeah, 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 no. And he doesn't really go too far above his station. Not at all. Like, he kisses the asses of his immediate superiors. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's never going to be... Like, let's say we met a king. Me and Johnny. Yeah. Okay? There's still some kings left. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, we'd be like, uh, like, or if we met, um, what's his face? Uh, Prince William? Yeah, we met Prince William. Be like, what's up, Prince William? How's it going, man? <laughs> Good on you on the baby. Yeah. Hey, hey, you wanna, you wanna come have some coffee, talk on the podcast? Yeah. Like, we wouldn't kiss his ass or expect anything from him. We'd yeah. treat him like a man. You know why? Because we don't give a fuck about Station. And because it would be really hilarious seeing how uncomfortable he was. It would be super funny. <laughs> you know? Like, if there weren't cameras. Yeah. If just, like, William and Kate just kind of showed up. It would be like, yeah, we make coffee ourselves. Yeah. We grew up eating cut-up hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Peasants. <laughs> Don't worry, Kate Middleton. 
There's naked pictures of lots of people on the internet. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take one of me right now. Whatever. Sure, just, whatever. Just to balance this out. You we're guys want to get weird? We're all equal okay. here, you know? Yeah, anyway. yeah. Well, the point is that, yeah, we probably would not be good at Ivan Illich's life. <laughs> Uh, no. Because we just were annoying the shit out of Prince William for no reason except that it amused us. <laughs> well, he showed up, you well, know. Yeah, that's not my fault. I mean, we weren't mean annoying. We were just normal annoying. No, we were fucking charming. Yeah. Yeah, damn it. Have some coffee. Have some of that experimental cake Johnny made. Yeah, well, I wanted to see if it would be good. It was. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, anyway. It's like not a single layer cake. It's like a one and a third layer cake. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so anyway, um, so then it takes a turn. Yeah, right, oh, right, finally, the plot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we're gonna bring this into the home stretch with the plot. <laughs> <laughs> well, they already know the ending. Well, right, he dies. Yeah. Um, so, Ivan Illich gets a, a mysterious illness. Yeah. And it turns out to be related from a very minor fall he took. Yeah. Like, he bumped his side on a coffee table while hanging drapes. He's hanging the curtains and he falls off and he just, like, gets a little bump from, like, yeah, it's like the coffee table or, like, the the crank that opens the window or something. Yeah. Yeah. This is totally a House MD moment. Yeah. Like, this is one of those things where any, just a normal thing that happens to everyone all the time. I bang my, you know, whole body against all kinds of fucking furniture all the time. Yeah. Like... No, you you live with me, you know that I do that. Yeah, we're fairly reckless people, you know? Mm -hmm. But, like, one time in a million, someone does it, their kidney gets knocked out. Yeah. Or, like, they get, like, something fucked up with their appendix. And it's, like, if left untreated... It will become gradually worse. You'll be in agony. You'll get sick and die. And then the doctor house is like, why can't we figure out what's wrong with him? Oh, he's getting better. Now he's getting worse. Now I solved it. Yeah, yeah. It's There was actually a... I was thinking about the actual floating kidney episode of House. Yeah. While reading this. It's like, oh, House could have figured this shit out. Yeah, he could have saved him. Yeah. And but, he could have gotten uh, yeah. the, the Australian dude to do a quick surgery. Absolutely. Nothing. But this is the 1880s. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have House. We barely had medicine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, the real Sherlock Holmes wasn't a physician. And, again, wasn't real, so... And was in England. Yeah. Okay. He's as real as Ivan Illich, though. Oh, that's true. So they could theoretically both exist in the same fictional universe. Well, look, the point is they <laughs> didn't think to do that. And, yeah, no. And, again, he was in England. It took a long time to travel back then. Yeah, it would have fucked up the story anyway. Yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> yeah. But, so he gets he gets sick, and... And he gets sick, and then he gets worse, and then it dawns on him, I am going to die. Mm-hmm. Because he start, he goes, he sees specialists. Yeah. You know, um, and they all kind of have different theories, um, and they give him, like, different medicines to try, but it's, it's no yeah. proper diagnosis. No one knows what's wrong with him. Yeah, and so he doesn't get better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, he gradually realizes this isn't going away. Yeah. I'm 45, I'm going to die. Yeah. And he starts to become more and more aware of just how full of shit everything he's built around him is. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of stories that revolve around a protagonist who uh, is dying or discovers that he's dying or whatever. Yeah. Realizes, or or even just has a brush with death and gets a second chance or whatever. Right. But somehow gets closer to death. Realizes everything I've been doing is bullshit. Uh-huh. And sets about, you know, fixing it or... Changing it or whatever. Right. Uh, Ivan Illich does not have that response. 
Uh, no. No, he more, uh, despairs. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) It's like, he does what y'all would do. (laughs) What I would do, okay? If I found out, you know, oh fuck, you've got like three weeks? Mm -hmm. Am I I checking off that bucket list? No, I'm throwing up my hands and saying, it's all been bullshit. Yeah, he gets sad, he self-pities, and then, you know, a lot... Yeah. Um, he starts to hate the sight of his wife, his friends, yeah. you know. The, with the exception of the character Garrison. Yeah. Okay, I guess that's how you pronounce it. Oh, that. yeah, the, the, the butler. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the big, like, country simpleton yeah. uh, uh, butler guy, Yeah. he's awesome. He's basically a surf. He's yeah. kind of like Hodor, but he can talk. He's, a, he's Hodor-esque. Yeah. Yeah. But he's like... He's he's genuine because uh, because yeah. another thing that happens and this happens now in our society yeah like even when you know someone is dying mm-hmm. you just talk to them like it's normal to make them feel better yeah oh we'll go out to the country when you get better grandpa yeah yeah you know a lot of shit like that oh don't forget to take your medicine or you'll never get better yeah. Gara seems like, well, yeah, it's not an imposition to clean out your chamber pot. I mean, you're gonna, you're, you're a dying man. It's a nice thing, you know. I hope someone will be nice to me when I'm dying. And yeah, it's yeah. the only one who talks to him, like free of the the affectations of social uh, niceties. Exactly, Garasim yeah. is genuinely kind. Yeah, and and. Uh, uh, is completely free of bullshit. Yeah. So he will tell you to your face he knows you're about to die. And, and, yeah. And this, again, I think is, you know, Tolstoy's conversion to, you know, his rather interesting conception of Christianity. Right. Whereas, you know, this guy comes in as sort of, you know, representative of, you know, Tolstoy's little self-discovery there, and it's like, this is the kind of guy... Who we should be listening to. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's kind of the, the, uh, genuineness of like the surf. Yeah. You know, just the, the common people know what's really going yeah. on. Yeah. He, he's the Samwise. Yeah, 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 basically. So yeah, so, so Garrison is the high point. Everyone else is full of shit. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, Ivan Illich descends and descends and descends. And at the very end, he yeah. has one little epiphany. Yeah, like, first he spends three days just having these screaming fits. Oh, yeah. Partly from the pain, but mostly just from the overwhelming level of bullshit that everything is achieving. Impotent rage. Yeah. And why me? You know, what have I done that was so awful that you will strike me down? Exactly. Yeah. And then at the end, this realization that, you know, wait, what's happening now isn't so bad because everything before this basically death already yeah because one of the things he despairs about is that when he he realizes that everything around him is bullshit too late to do anything about it yeah he can't even get off the bed anymore exactly like he is he is fucked there is no you know restitution to be made yeah like, even if somebody could figure out exactly what was wrong and what needs to be done, it's like, well, but too bad we couldn't have done it two weeks ago uh-huh. when it could have saved you. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, okay, well, I'll just read one more passage here. Okay. At that very moment, Ivan Illich fell through and caught sight of the light, and it was revealed to him that though his life had not been what it should have been, it could still be rectified. He asked himself, what is the right thing, and grew still listening. And and so his his son, he has a, a couple of kids, but he has a child son that comes in, and his yeah. son is crying because his dad's dying. And uh, he kind of puts his hand on his on his son, and he sees his wife crying, and he says, Yes, I am making them all wretched, he thought. They're sorry, but it'll be better for them when I die. He wished to say this, but didn't have the strength to utter it. And he realizes, the one thing I have the strength left to do is pity them and die so that they can get on with their lives and not have to put up with me anymore. Russian literature, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my god, it is glorious. Like, his come-to-Jesus moment is, yeah. you'll be better off when I'm finally just croaked. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um. That, is the, that is your Russian bucket list. Yeah. 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 Well, I'll get out of your hair now. <laughs> and then he stops screaming. Yeah. He's at peace. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He stops. And then this is right after he had the like the three day screaming fit of just, you yeah. know, despair and fury. Yeah. And he's like, My family's sad. They'll be happier if I shut up. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, for once in my goddamn life, I should keep my head down and go along with it. Um yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's the death of Ivan Illich. That is both the story and his actual death. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it's a bummer, you know? But I mean, death is. Yeah, but it's really good. It is very good. Um, and it is I mean, it's just because the, of the style of story I was talking about before. Right. Has been done and overdone so many times since then. Yeah. It's so tempting to call this a deconstruction of that. Uh-huh. Except that it pretty much predates the entire genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's not... I mean, uh, maybe Voltaire yeah. predates this as well, a deconstructive uh, system, but... Uh, of Yeah, but... But again, Voltaire was also, you know, deconstructing what he saw in real life, not what people were writing stories about necessarily. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, you can't deconstruct a genre before the genre exists. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, the uh, having fun before you die story. You right. Know, I mean, there weren't many of those. I mean, there were certainly stories about, you know, almost dying and then being redeemed. Right. But that's a slightly different beast. Yeah, the whole, like, bucket list situation. Yeah. Just not even a, you know, moat in the zeitgeist yet. Not yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Final thoughts? Final thoughts. Uh, read it, you know? It, it turns out Tolstoy, even when, you know, despite being, you know, a grim Russian novelist and despite the, the guy wallowing in despair and dying. Uh huh. Turns out he can be funny <laughs> in uh, a story that does that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, frankly, is the revelation I'm walking away with, from this with. It's like, right, right. It's like, holy shit, Tolstoy could write a joke. He totally could. <laughs> yeah, he was solid. And, and, and yeah, the, the, you know, the social commentary stuff, it still works. It works disturbingly well. Like, yeah. Like, I feel like it was written and it worked very well at the time. Mm-hmm. And then it was like there was a number of years where maybe it didn't work. 
Yeah. And then it's like gradually ramped up to the point where we've just aligned with it again. It works in 2013. Very well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and just in case you're on the fence, it's not like an Anna Karenina. It's not a thousand pages. No. This it's is a novella. In my edition, it was like 44 pages. Yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, you can get it on the internet and it's not long there either. You know? It's old. It's in the public domain. Yeah. So you can well, the Russian text is in the public domain. The different translations, some of them aren't. That has to do with translation copyright. Well, yeah. But you can find... You know what? If you pick it up at, you know, whatever bookstore still exists in your yeah. town... Yeah. Uh, it's not going to be expensive. It will A couple yeah. bucks. Yeah. Big they, fucking deal. They don't exactly have, uh, you know, Tolstoy to pay royalties to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. Uh... That's uh, that's a, a thumbs up for yeah. Breakfast with the Beak. It's a popcorn classic. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> you can technically eat popcorn while you're eating. Well, yeah, you can eat whatever while you're reading it. I mean, yeah, and we're back to this. You're not eating it with your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that's the great thing about reading. Yeah. Is you can listen to music as long as the music isn't too interruptive. Yeah. And you can eat snacks. Yeah. And you can still read. Basically, as long as your eyes are okay. Or your fingers, if you're blind. Oh, also, it's 2013. They can probably get, like, the Kindle edition for, like, 99 cents oh, or something. Oh, right, yeah. I didn't even think about that, right. but, yeah. That, you uh, might be able to get, like, a Kindle edition legally for free. We don't know. Yeah, you're listening to podcasts, so you can you, you might like the ebook. You might. Yeah. It, it's the same as the regular book, so if, if you like one... Yeah. I may be the only... Podcaster who exclusively reads paper books. Yeah, I think you might be. But whatever. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, go get that. Yeah, so those are your options. Yeah. We have hopefully sold you on this book, and we will collect our checks from the publishers, and uh, wait. Um, no, that's not what happened at all. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Um, this is free of charge. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, it's a good book. Um, Yvonne Illich would have gotten paid. For that endorsement, but uh, yeah, well, yeah, well, he, he got dead. Well, yep. that's what happens. Send those topics to topics at thebeak dot org, uh, breakfastwiththebeak.tumblr.com, facebook.com slash breakfastwiththebeak. Follow us on Twitter at, at thebeak and at doc heisenberg. That is correct. All of that uh, is correct. Yeah, send us topics or just tell us what you like to eat while you're reading. Yeah, no, I'm interested in knowing that. If we get a bunch of them, we'll do a show of just those. No, we won't. We might if they're good. We'll see. Okay. Okay. Like, if a bunch of people send in, like, people, <laughs> I mean, no, obviously, that's like, oh, haha, you all thought of the same joke. It'd be funny if someone was like, oh, I'm going to text Breakfast with a Beak and tell him I like spaghetti. <laughs> oh, yeah, because there's nothing that we love more than hearing the jokes that we wrote from other people. <laughs> <laughs> that's what all uh, improv comedians love. Yeah. Is, uh... So people in, repeating their crap back to them. So until next week, <laughs> surprise us with our own punchlines. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>